Want the reward? Do the damn work. Challenge yourself. Inspire change. Choice, not luck. Good afternoon, everybody. Todd Crandall from Ignite Euphoria, and I am privileged and honored. I'm sure my next guest is going to feel weird me saying that, but I am truly honored to be speaking with one Miss Wendy Ingram. How are you? Good. I'm great. Thank you. I'm glad we could uh, make this happen. I with your um, busy schedule, you are so busy. Well, ev- everybody's busy, right? <laughs> yeah. So I do want to talk about this, and we started with it first. Your email to Cheryl and I, who helps me put this together, was awesome. And you're probably like, well, what are you talking about? And just the vibe of that email, it's like, well, I don't know if I can do the podcast because I have to get up. We're supposed to get a bunch of snow, and I have to drive my tractor and feed the animals. And I'm like, that is some good living right there. So yep. <laughs> why don't you talk about what, what you're currently doing before I get into the triathlon stuff? Uh, well, f- almost four years ago in April, it will be four years in April. Um, I bought an equestrian center about four minutes from my house in Castle Rock. And I always wanted to have a mission where I could help people um, with depression, anxiety, dyslexia, autism and give them an opportunity to feel good about themselves, positive and empower them. Um, and there's really no better way. I mean, yeah, we can do triathlons and you can do it yourself, but sometimes when there's an animal involved, uh, it, it makes you feel important and worthy because uh, you have to take care of that animal. So I bought an equestrian center and I started a foundation called Robin's Nest after three of my really good friends that committed suicide within three months. Holy cow. From depression and anxiety. So yeah, that's what I'm doing. Now I know why we got connected to even do this show. (laughs) I, uh, I am a, Wendy, I'm a big believer in people get put together for certain reasons. And just that intro right there, it's like, this is why we got connected. Um, I'm sorry for the losses that you've endured. Um, you know, I, I don't know if you know this, but my real mom committed suicide from drugs. My uncle killed himself. My aunt killed himself. And it's uh, surviving suicide as you and I both have is it's a, uh, it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing, isn't it? Yeah. And it's, it's tough because, uh, you know, it's mental health is, is hard. I mean, it is a, it's not like you consciously wake up and say, Oh, I think I'm going to kill myself today. I mean, these are people with real issues that, that struggle with demons and self-confidence and, you know, you just need that support around you and something to empower you. Um, So we started a program where we have quite a few high school girls that come in, especially this year with the pandemic. Um, And they rehabilitate horses that we've rescued off uh, the feedlot or that have been surrendered to us. Um, And and these girls feel empowered because they are making a difference for an animal and they get connected and they, they know that they can't abandon them. They just, they can't. And when they feel that way, it always comes back to, 
you know, well, I, I can, I need, I need to go be with this horse to help it. And I think when you have that feeling of helping other people or other things or other animals, it empowers you. It makes you feel really good about doing something. That's beautiful. Uh, the, the young girls that are helping out with this, are, th are they going through some hardships themselves or are they just volunteering or is it a little bit of both? No, they've been, uh, they've been written grants into the program. Okay. So, you know, there, we have a therapist on site. Uh, we also work with a program called Mustard Seed out of California and they write grants for uh, homes uh, sheltered homes here in the Denver area for kids that have been surrendered to the state. So those kids come out on Mondays and work with horses. Fantastic. How long yeah. have you, how long have you had this passion for people who are battling co-occurring issues or, you know, and the love for animals? How, how long have you had this on your mind to do such a thing? I mean, I think it really started and I, I, I'm probably can talk about this now is when my really, I had a couple really good friends. One, uh, when I was swimming at Mission Viejo, I lived with Tiffany Cohen. And I mean, she's a speaker now for eating disorders and, and stuff. And not that she wanted to kill herself. She actually had an eating disorder. Um, and it, it turned almost deadly for her. Uh, and then, you know, so I've always wanted to help her to encourage her. Like she's an amazing person. Um, she's got a good heart. She's a strong worker. I mean, my God, she's won gold medals. Um, and, and you feel bad that a person would feel this way about themselves when they have so much to offer. Um, and it probably started there, but then it, it really hit home when, um, Jackie Gallagher committed suicide. She was my dear, sweet friend. We trained and raced together. I lived with her in Australia. She lived with me in Walnut Creek, California. And um, I was devastated uh, when she finally took her life. I mean, we knew she had severe mental issues. And I mean, I'm, I'm just happy. She lived uh, a very happy life, I believe, at, at the end with her husband. Um, but still, it's a devastating loss to me. I can empathetically relate to a lot of that. So how, do, how does it feel to be, you know, you started your own thing. How do you feel now on a daily basis of just being of service? Uh, it feels good to be able to help your community. Um, you know, it's like recently I had a young girl come in. She went through some severe trauma and didn't talk for two years and we connected her with a horse and now her mom says she won't shut up. Um, I mean, and, and she's 11. So it's, it's powerful to help these kids at a young age and hopefully they'll be able to turn themselves around so they don't go through what Jackie went through, you know, in an adult stage in her life and, and, and you know, uh, hopefully help other people as well. Um, you know, we have a teenage girl right now that, that uh, is doing amazing. Like she, she literally wanted to take her life and she wants to go to college now and, and help other people. So it's sort of like the pay it forward type of thing. Um, yeah. That, that's beautiful. You're, you know, half of the mission at Racing for Recovery is to prevent 
substance abuse in, in kids. That's half of what we do. And then obviously the other half is treat those that unfortunately have gotten into it. But the kid factor, you know, the only thing that really has separated self-harm with respect to drugs and alcohol is being in an environment that is conducive to that usage. But if you can help heal at an early age, like you're doing, and, you know, we're trying to do on the substance and uh, substance abuse prevention end, rather, right, you give people an opportunity just to be productive members of society and actually enjoy living. And that that's just amazing to be a part of. Yeah, it really is a fun feeling. Um, I just had a big fundraiser for my birthday in January for Robin's Nest. And uh, we were able to raise enough money for the month of April, we're doing a first responders month out at the farm. Uh, one of the little niche things that we do there is yoga in the farm. Uh, right now it's yoga in the barn and they do it with the horses and people just love it. So we raised enough money to uh, pay. It's a special yoga instructor. She um, specializes in PTSD. And so for all the firefighters, first responders, school teachers and healthcare workers in Douglas County, we're offering free yoga in the barn and wine and beer. So that should be a pretty fun month. I'm looking forward to it. God, I'd love to come out there sometime and see what you guys are doing. It sounds amazing. Well, I would love to have you, Todd. That's for sure. Yeah, it'd be fun. Um, Anything else you want to talk about with respect to your your charity work or anything in that? Because I do want to shift this into some Iron Man stuff, if you don't mind. Absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, there's another component to my farm and I also have a, a trainer there for uh, hunter jumpers. And, you know, when I, I didn't really quite know what I was doing when I bought the farm, it was a kind of a fluke thing that I got it because it's a prime piece of property and it was in pretty hot demand uh, by a lot of other big trainers in Colorado. And I just happened to get it. But part of it is, is I have these big, huge 18 hand hunter jumper horses. And to me, and this will segue into triathlons, they, you know, even though I still represent Rennie and Tim and um, Ariel Gold, the snowboarder for sports marketing, um, these are my new athletes. And oh my goodness, it is like an honor to take care of these horses and make them the best they are, because it's interesting how much of what we do and what we do now started out in horse racing. Like Norma Tech started out in racing. I mean, a lot of the fabric companies, I mean, the nutrition, everything probably that triathletes have today started out in horse racing or jumping. And so the segue, I'm kind of backwards. I'm going from triathlon to horses, but uh, it's pretty cool just, getting these athletes turned around so they can be the best that they can be for the owners. And we're probably one of the biggest barns in the Denver area that has one of the highest success rates as far as at shows. So I'm pretty proud of that one. Yeah, you should be. So I have a, a, a question. Are you, are you godly or spiritual or where is that? Because when you, and the reason I'm asking you that is, you said, well, we were the only, we, we got this property. There was a lot of other people bidding on it. I look at that as it's almost, it's destined to happen. So are you, you know, do you, are you a spiritual person that put 
a vibe out that, hey, I want to get this place and you got it? Where are you with that? I'm just going to say I'm downright lucky. You know, okay. uh, yeah. I guess if you believe in something strong enough, you just make it happen. And it's it's been a tough, tough go. It's expensive. Um, and I've had to work really, really hard. I mean, times when we couldn't really afford extra employees, uh, things like that. Like I've just dug in and worked 12, 16 hour days uh, to, to make it good and, uh, and to make it right. Cause it's not like you're like, Oh, well, it's four o'clock. I'm going to go home. And you know, the horses aren't still fed because you know, the roof blew off. Uh, it, it's, uh, pardon my friends, but some days it's a shit show. <laughs> right. No. You know, but, is but it, it's it, fine. It's, it's, I, I should be a reality show in all honesty. It's right? pretty funny. Yeah. It's, I, I think when you're talking about your love for animals and stuff, it, I, I have a pet pig that um, he, we have two dogs, four cats, and then we have this pig that uh, his name's Milo. And he just, he en- enhanced everything that I already had uh, emotionally. And I think of the same thing, just because I'm tired, I don't want to get up or whatever it is. It's like, well, they depend on us to be yeah. there. And you can see it on their faces. It's like, dude, where's my, where's my breakfast? You know oh, what I mean? Yeah. Right. When I walk in the barn at 5:30 AM, every single horse's head is out and the, the cats are sitting at the door on the trash cans. Oh yeah. They, they're like, they're like clockwork. Right. So, yeah. and you mentioned this too, and I think this definitely is a part of the, the triathlon mindset, you know, that hard work, persistence, not giving up. Those are all qualities that obviously you need to do triathlon, specifically Ironman. It's, you don't get to, you know, mile 13 of the marathon at Ironman Hawaii and go, oh, it's hot. I need to quit. It's like yeah. you, you keep her going, you know. So t- talk to me about how the, the you being an, a, let's just say it what it is, an eight-time Ironman finisher, uh, just a world-class athlete, how that mindset has helped you business-wise with everything you're doing? Well, it's, you know, it's like anything. Life is unpredictable. You need to learn to adjust. You need to learn to be creative. Uh, You need to, you know, really dig with inside yourself um, how you can be different or or how you can face these challenges without crashing. Um, And I always tell my boarders when they come in or, you know, I, I go, it's not a perfect world. This, this isn't a perfect barn. Things happen, but there's always a solution. There's always a compromise. You know, there's a halfway. Um, and, and it may not be perfect, but at least it's, it's a start. A uh, perfect example is I have a girl who, who we rescued a horse. Um, and it was coming along pretty good. And then it broke its leg. And she had been working on this horse for about nine months. And it was getting to a point where she was pretty much getting ready to take it to a show. And she wanted to quit. She goes, I can't do this anymore. The, the horse just needs to go out to pasture. Oh my God, you can only imagine what that did to me. You know, uh, if I would have quit in 97, I wouldn't have gotten fourth place. And I was 200 yards from the finish line. So I apply a lot of that to, to now, to these kids. It's like, you can't quit on this horse. I go, well, he'll get better. We can do it. So we, we did some alternative medicine on him and, uh, we wrapped him up and we, we 
gave them exercise the ways we can. We did some, some different kind, kind of like isolated exercises to keep them strong. And, and uh, the vet's like, oh my God, you know, within two months, his leg healed a hundred percent. And a brick like that normally doesn't happen. They'll always have something, you know, a glitch in it. It healed a hundred percent. And I made her not quit. I go, you can't, you can't quit on this horse. And we went through it step by step. And she came back uh, this year, or well, I guess it was last year. So six months later, he went to a show and got third place. And that was the first horse show he'd ever been to. Wow. wow. And now, you know, this horse is amazing. He's a totally different horse. He loves her. He will do anything for her. And I think when she's having a bad day, she now knows that they've created this bond. Um, and, and it's the same in triathlons. You know, you have these sponsors that support you and they believe in you. And it's, it's the same connection and relationship, you know, that every athlete should have with their sponsor. It's, it's, it's quite a great parallel. Absolutely. Well, you, you brought this up and it, it, I was our, uh, Adam, who does a lot of the tech stuff, I was talking to him about you and I'm like, dude, you got to see they're crawling across the finish line. So we're going to run that clip in your podcast. And you know, you know, I look the same as 97. It's amazing. Absolutely. You do. Right. You just no. didn't have glasses on then. They were a different pair of glasses. Oh, right. Yeah. Right. I know. So I, I think of, you know, I've, I started in this sport in 99 and I can't tell you how many times I've watched that, um, um, that, what do I want to say to that? That example of determination, grit, perseverance, whatever other positive word you want to put in there <laughs> with you in, in Hawaii that year, what, what did, what was that experience like for you and how has that helped you moving forward in life in general? Um, it just all goes back to your, as much as you always think you're having the perfect day, anything can go wrong at any moment. And you have to be flexible enough to adjust, to compromise, to figure out a solution. Um, there's always a solution for everything and just not to give up on it if you're passionate and it means a lot to you. I mean, that particular day meant a lot to me because so many people put so much time and energy into even getting me to the start line. You know, my, my, my massage therapist, my friends, my family, my sponsors, I mean, they were all behind me and, and you don't want to disappoint anyone. I mean, the worst feeling, at least for me in the world is letting people down and uh, not following through with what I say I'm going to do. So the fact that, you know, I was that close to the finish line, there was a compromise somewhere. There was a solution and that was crawling. And I think that applies to anything. It may not be perfect and it may not be the end results you want, but at least you're figuring something out. You're not quitting. Yeah. And I know people we're going to show, I don't know where we're going to put that clip in if it's now or if it's at the end, but when I know when our listeners are watching that, they're going to be motivated beyond words like I was the many times I've watched that. Sean Welch is in a desperate spot. Her body has run out of fuel. No calories to burn. 
Systems shutting down. The legs are there, you just can't feel them. The eyes still see, but through a gauzy veil of delirium. At this point, Sean Welch is aware of two things. The finish line is so close, and someone is so close behind. After more than 140 miles, it's come down to less than 100 feet to that damn line. Just yards behind, her stalker appears. It's Wendy Ingram. Spirit held firm. Welch and Ingram crawling in the dramatic spirit of Julie Moss. In a battle for fourth place. You did What is the difference between fourth and fifth place? To these two on this day, it meant everything. I, did I read too that you're? Are you thinking about going back to Kona again, or is that uh, no? Oh, no, 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 I don't think so. Well, is some. <laughs> Uh, we had maybe, a bio. Uh, maybe to support Rennie and Tim. I mean, it's, I haven't missed a Kona in 36 years, except for last year because of the pandemic. Um, you know, sort of, you, well, when I retired, I, I had a game plan, and that was to work for Tier, which I did for oh, four or five years. And then um, from Tier, I transitioned into the sports marketing with what was my agent Murphy mm -hmm. um, and his wife Shannon and so Shannon and I teamed up because Murphy went to go work for LA triathlon uh, group and Shannon and I took over the agency and we've been together for 11 years now so you, I haven't missed a Kona 
Yeah, I must have. I thought it was you were planning on doing one again. Maybe I, I misread that. And I'm like, wow, that would be awesome. You know, maybe only to race against my husband and kick his ass. <laughs> Just saying. That's great. I got to remain the queen in the house. That's right. Do you do you do any triathlon events at all? I mean, sprints or any anything? Are you how are you staying fit? Um, well, let me tell you, lugging around a thousand pound horses is not easy some days, yep. <laughs> uh, especially when, you know, they decide that they have a mind of their own. Um, I actually am doing a schema race, uh, at the end of March. So I do a lot of uphill skiing. As a matter of fact, I do it with Rachel Joyce and Julie Dibbins. Okay. Um, we go up on Thursday nights and we do hot laps up the mountain. You skin up and ski down. Uh, it's pretty cool. I see a lot of triathletes are starting to get into it for cross training and, you know, the cardiovascular side at 9,000 feet. It's, it's awesome. And you are literally using every muscle in your body. Um, so I'm doing a schema race from, uh, Crested Butte to Aspen, uh, March 27th. Awesome. Um, with my husband. So good. I saw he just took a life insurance policy out on me. Makes me a little nervous. I'm kidding. Um, so I do that. And then I do a fair amount of mountain biking. I've done Leadville 100 a couple times. And, um, but the last couple of years, really, I've been focusing on getting my foundation and, you know, getting, you know, the, the barn to a specific point where I could probably start taking a little more time off so I can train. But honestly, like I, I'm rehabbing horses like yesterday we have this hill, this incline, and I'm rehabbing this horse where I run it up and down the hill 10 times. It's probably about 200 meters long. Wow. So that's sort of been my workout is, is uh, yeah, it's not real consistent, but that's okay. But you're doing stuff, right? I'm doing stuff. Oh, yeah. I'm on, you know, like I said, I am up at 530, 5, 5.15 every morning, uh, I just throw on clothes, grab a cup of hot water, go to the barn by 5.30, and my day's like until 10 o'clock at night. Wow. Yep. I, I understand. So we have a, we have a mutual, uh, I guess, bonding, connection, whatever. We both have daughters named Skylar, right? Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah. Where, where did you first hear that name that you wanted to name your daughter that? Um... Well, there's a mythical mermaid. It's spelled differently. It's spelled S-C-H. Yeah. Uh, Skylar. Uh, and there, it's a Norwegian uh, mermaid that would protect the islands. Okay. I never heard that before. Yeah. I, so, I, I first heard of it from Michael J. Fox from Family mm, Ties. He had a daughter mm. named Skylar. And then the... Uh, the singer from Motley Crue had a daughter named Skylar and she unfortunately passed away from, from cancer. But those two, huh. that was the first time I ever heard that name. Cause I, I'd never heard it before. Yeah, no, uh, it, this came from Norway. I hmm. guess. Okay. The well, you taught me Skylar. something. Yeah. yeah. And you know, being a swimmer and the ocean and all that stuff. So that's where it came from. <laughs> So I, here's a couple other questions, and I know your time's of essence. I'll oh, let you go in a minute. Okay. But tell, you got you, me. I'm, you're on? Okay. Now. <laughs> um, 
you went to Michigan State, right? Uh huh. Yeah. And did you you went on a, a uh, I don't want to say just a swim scholarship, but you went there to swim, or were you doing yeah. triathlon? Oh no, just a swim scholarship. I wasn't that smart. I'm smarter now, <laughs> right? But I wasn't so smart then. So did the swimming then lead to doing triathlon? Uh. Sort of, not really. Um, you know, I've always been an active kid. I grew up on a lake in Michigan. So it was always about being outside and swimming. And, you know, my neighbors had horses. And um, I, when I was done with college, you know, I wanted to do something to keep active. Uh, and we had a triathlon in our hometown at Gall Lake. And my dad made a bet with me. He goes, well, I bet you couldn't finish a triathlon. And I looked at him like, okay, you know, you're stupid, but let's, I'll, t I'll, I'll school you. And, uh, so I did that triathlon and I actually won the whole thing overall. And, uh, wow. Yeah. So, um, and then at the time, Beth, um, oh God, what is her last name? Lil Blonde, she was from um, Muskoka, Michigan, which is right by Michigan State. She would come swim with us sometimes. And she was like doing triathlons, um, Hawaii. And I didn't really pay attention to it, but I thought it was kind of fun, the places she was traveling to, yeah. like Kauai, the Kauai Loves You race, and then Hawaii and this and that. And I thought, well, that's, that's kind of cool, not really knowing much about it. Um, and then once I started you know, paying a little bit more attention to triathlons. I did like the Bud Light series. And then um, I think it was in 89 or kind of 91, I went pro. Did yeah. you, did you jump rate? When did you get into Ironman? Cause it's the sport, obviously it's evolved and it's changed over the years, but it back, did you just go right from doing the, you know, the Bud Light stuff, just full on into Ironman or was there, no, there was a small transition. I mean, it was, it was sort of gradual. Like I went and did Chicago and, mm -hmm. um, let's see, I, I forgot. I got invited. I'm trying to think, I think like my first pro race was in, uh, Mexico, Huatuco, Mexico. And, um, it's kind of, well, I went out to California. I'm trying to think how it all kind of transpired. I was racing and living in Michigan. Um, oh, I know. I went to the Bud Light race in Hilton Head, South Carolina, the national championships. And that's where I met a bunch of people from California, the Buckinghams, um, Shannon, who is my business partner now, uh, Eni Jones, uh, and a few others. And, um, and we just became friends. And then I moved out when I graduated to California to go snow skiing with some friends from college and I never left. Huh. And then I sort of reconnected with everyone. And then my friend, Mark Montgomery, he, uh, he's like, oh, well, you should go do this race in Mexico. And I went down there and did it and I won. And that's when, the one that Lance Armstrong did. We all flew down together. Really? Lance, myself, Jimmy Riccatello. <laughs> Um, there's a few other people. It was really fun. <laughs> yeah. And that's when I, I just, it, it just, you know, everything in my life is a little organic. Like yeah. there's an idea that I put out there and then it just sort of 
evolves into something without any expectation. Do you have uh, do you have any uh, like highlights from any of your Ironman events? Like it may not even be winning one, but like what is what are some of the highlights you've had with doing Ironman over the years? Oh wow. I could write a really funny book. Um you probably should do that by the way. I know. I mean it was such a great group of people and I'm so fortunate that I've met, made a lot of my friends all around the world. Uh, I just remember one summer, one Wolfgang and Paula and Paul Huddle and Greg Welch and Fernanda Keller and Murphy, cause he was our agent. Uh, we were traveling around Europe. Oh my God. I mean, the stories, the time Karen Smyers, her husband and I, we had a little Yugo and we had to fit three bike cases in it and drive six hours to the airport in Zurich. I mean, Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, just, Oh, it's, I mean, the racing was great and I'm sure I had some good moments in racing, but the real, the real journey was the stories and the friends and the people and the travel that yeah. I was able to do along the way. I mean, I very agree. fortunate. The, the, the fact that I, you know, I've seen the different countries I've been able to experience and the cultures and the food and the people, you know, those are things you can read about in a textbook, but rarely do we actually get to experience them. So you're right. The, the event itself is Let secondary. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. It's uh, I mean, I'll, I'll never forget. We were at this race in this small Island in Japan with, um, uh, Norman Stadler oh and God. Paula and I, and we had to go out to dinner with these dignitaries at this sushi place. And they feed you like, you know, heads of fish. I mean, gross stuff. And Paula and I have learned we carry a Ziploc bag and a purse. And if we don't like it, we just discreetly put it in the Ziploc bag. Well, we didn't tell Norman that. <laughs> and so we're like, oh, Norman, you have to eat this. It's rude if you don't. Right. Norman's eating it. We're just chalantly putting it in a Ziploc bag under the table. It was pretty funny. Well, you're mentioning some names that go way back, right? Mm -hmm. It's like a, yeah, I'm the sure, classics. Yeah, people that are into it now. They, I don't even know if they remember some of those vintage names from back in the day. Yeah, I'm I'm vintage. I don't know if anyone would remember my name. Oh, they yeah, they do. You know, <laughs> I. Uh, it, it uh, one of the things I, I have, again, enjoyed about just doing this sport, it's, it's just become, people use the word lifestyle, but the, the life lessons that I've learned by doing Ironman for all these years have, have, have taught me a lot. Is there, is there anything you can share with people that you've learned about life by doing, doing these things or meeting people in the sport? Well, I think it just all goes back to our opening statement. Um, you know, about life, things come up and you have to be able to figure out a solution and it may not be the perfect solution, but at least it's a step moving forward. And it's, that goes true with triathlons. Um, you know, you get injured, you, yeah. I don't know, your bike gets stolen. I mean, a lot of things can happen. There's a lot of variables in triathlons. It's not like you're just out running. I mean, you have three components to it. Um, Actually, I want to say six because sleep is important. Yep. Nutrition is important. Mind, body, and soul and strength is 
extremely important. And then you have the swim, bike and run. Um, so yeah, I just think, uh, you know, you, you need (laughs) Skylar, (laughs) you need to learn to be flexible in your thinking and and embrace it. That's, I mean, if I wasn't doing Ironman, it wouldn't have led to me forming racing for recovery, which is everything I do today. And that's, you know, and it's, again, it's about being of service to other people. Yeah, I think it's, it's awesome. Um, I just want to tell you a a real quick story. So uh, last Friday, my daughter's like, Oh, my gosh, mom, I miss my friends so much and quarantine. And, you know, I'm like, Well, let's do this. Let's do, you know, she misses them at lunch and this and that. So I go, Well, let's, let's just do a big one, a dinner in the barn. Well, we have the space, we can have everyone there. It's social distancing, we'll get pizza and it'll be like lunch at school. So we send out the text. Everybody can come. This was like on a Monday. Well, by Wednesday, four of the families were quarantined with COVID and, you know, just we're like, well, we don't want to do it without them. So the other girls that weren't quarantined were just super bummed. Like they were upset because they wanted to be together with their friends. So I told Sky, go, let's do this. Let's have the friends that aren't quarantined over and we'll make chocolate chip cookies and we'll put together, um, little, you know, gift baskets or whatever. And we did that. And then we went around to the friends that were quarantined and we knocked on their doors and we dropped off the cookies and we sang all these songs. And I mean, it, it, it made the girls feel so good to do something for their friends that were quarantined because being quarantined is tough as a kid, you know? Um, so you got to take a bad situation. And like I said, improvise and do something good. And these girls were as high as a kite that they were able to do something for their friends. And it, that's great. It's again, it's, it's giving back, right? Let me, you know, I don't even know if I should ask you this, but I guess I'm gonna, I just did a, a kind of a, I call them these rants that I do on some of the, podcast stuff that I do. And and the hot topic that's been coming up a lot lately is, is the vaccine, you know, and I, Uh I don't, I don't want to get it. I, I, I believe if we're doing things for a healthy body and, you know, we can be, stay that way. Now I might Mm -hmm. be naive to that, but you know, the way it looks like it's going, if you don't get a vaccine, you can't travel, you can't do whatever. So do you have, do you have any thoughts on, pro-vaccine, anti-vaccine, or what are you going to do with it? Well, I'm so young. I'm so far down the list. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know, I haven't, I haven't given it a whole lot of thought yet. Um, And I feel like, you know, it's just kind of wait and see. It's sort of like getting the polio vaccine. I mean, they give it to you. Don't they give it to you like when you're one years old or something yeah, like that I mean, yeah. almost immediately. And it's something you just don't even think about. It's like putting on your seatbelt. It's, yep. it's what you do. It's to keep you safe. Um, you know, and I kind of say, you know, the mask thing was like, Oh my God. Well, the mask thing is sort of the same thing now. It's like, yep. you just put it on, it keeps you safe. It keeps yep. other people safe, whatever. Um, it's just, it's, Things are always changing in our lives. You know, there's always new things coming up to try to keep us safe. Um, you know, whether you do it or not is is really up, up to you. But statistics so, shows you put your seatbelt on, you get in an accident, your chances go up 90% of, win, you know, living. 
Right. Um, and I think the mask is the same way. And I'm sure there will come a time, you know, after your baby's born, after a year, it gets the COVID shot. Um, hmm. What do I think about it? I guess I really don't. Huh. I, I haven't. Um, I haven't, you know, looked into it enough to, you know, and there are always those rare chances where it doesn't work in your body. That's what, I mean, the reason this started coming up for me is I'm, I signed up to do Ironman Russia, St. Petersburg, which oh, wow. I've always That's wanted cool. to go there, you know, and I'm excited about it, but I'm dealing with getting a, a visa and some of the questions are coming up, you know, are, you know, are you going to do this or do you have that and stuff? And it's like, well, what's required or whatever, because that, that's when for me, it'll get to a point. If I have to have a vaccine to go to Ironman Russia or to travel to do some of these things, I'll, I'll get it, you know, and it's not, I'm not against it. I'm just like wondering, is there a way around it, so to speak? But it's like you said, you know, if a seatbelt helps keep you alive. Well, if a vaccine's going to do it, so be it, you know? Yeah. Well, and a, another perfect example is Africa. If you go to parts of Africa, you have to get malaria shots. True. Yeah. So yeah. it just, it's, you know, just, and I get it like Hawaii, you know, I was just talking to a friend that lives there now and it's like, I think they've had four cases and it's because they are so locked down and so strict because they honestly can't afford to have an outbreak there. Their medical, uh, you know, system is not good right now. Um, they're losing doctors left and right over there just because of the cost. I mean, I, they pay a 16% on state tax. Wow. Yeah. Is, uh, now, do you, are they, has Kona said that we have to have it to go out to the big island this year? Or they haven't, Ironman hasn't said anything about it, right? Uh, I don't know if Kona's happening. Yeah. I, I mean, they haven't really opened up the state yet. Uh, they haven't, they've canceled all events so far. Right. Um, they haven't done any exemptions on events. So I, I mean, I hope they make a decision soon so people can kind of plan because that is not something like a week before, hey, no. let's go to Hawaii to the Ironman. You exactly. Know, like, you, you need to you put a little of, bit of an effort into that, right? Yeah. I mean, I think if they don't have this, the event, it'll be very devastating to the city. But, um, you know, who knows? Um, to be before continued. I let you... Before I let you go, is there, is there anything you want to ask me? I, you know, every time I'm doing one of these, I ask a bunch of questions. Do you have any questions that I can answer for you? Uh, well, no, I mean, I think, you know, I think your program's amazing. Um, you know, we have a few kids in the barn that are, you know, recovering as well. And hopefully we can keep them on the straight and narrow. And I just guess I would like to learn a little bit more on exactly what you do with, with that. Well, I, like I said earlier that, you know, I've been affected by suicide by three members of my mom's side of the family. And I, right. you know, when my mom did it, I was three and a half years old. I couldn't uh, intellectually understand the impact of that. And I never grew up thinking, oh, poor me, my mom died. I'm going to start doing cocaine. But the emotional impact that that had on, on me as a kid, I over a lot of years of being addicted and a lot of years of being sober and now licensed in the field, I understand the impact on an emotional level. And I just basically never felt a value. And then 
started choosing drugs as a way to fill that void. It's no different than somebody choosing food to deal with it or what have you. And, uh, you know, it led to my own battles with suicide and depression and all that stuff. And when I finally got to the point where I'm like, this isn't working and started to focus on getting some help of dealing with the emotional stuff behind that self-destruction, you know, as we keep talking about through perseverance and hard work, my life started to get better. And then forming Racing for Recovery was just like, hey, I want to give back and, and help some other people. So we're a program that, you know, includes family members in this. Um, and we focused on using a balanced, holistic lifestyle that people can enjoy doing. It's not just, okay, I'm not doing drugs. It's understanding why I was doing drugs and then actually enjoying not doing them and living life to the fullest and then helping other people achieve that as well. And that's what we've been doing for over 20 years now. And it's, um, it's a good way of living. That's for sure. Yeah. I really appreciated talking to you today, Wendy. It was, it was a pleasure. Oh yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me and letting me tell my story and, uh, how much it coincides with, with what you're doing. Um, I think it hopefully will inspire more triathletes, you know, cause I will admit we can be a little selfish when we're racing, you know, it's, it, it does feel good to take all those years of focusing on myself and what I was trying to accomplish, you know, personally, um, to, to give back and, and help those, you know, that really need it and, and make a difference in our community. I mean, you know, I always think of the two sayings my mom said is it always takes a village, you know, to raise a child, um, or create a cohesive community. Um, so keep up the great work. It's awesome. Likewise. This is another, just talking to you reminds me of the, the personalities that are in triathlon. They're all good, good people that are, you know, I don't even like saying that type A stuff. They're just, they're good people who want to do some good for the world. And and talking to you today just reminded me of that. I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, sometimes it starts with yourself. You know, you have to yep. do good for yourself and able to have that energy to do good for others. So, um, and I love your mural on your wall, by the way. Right. Yeah. A lot of green, a lot of positivity in there. Right. Yeah. yeah. I like the finish line. So we'll go take so, care yeah. of those horses and we'll, we'll connect and we'll do something. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Todd. And you know, anything we can do on our end, love it. And, you know, let's spread the word about Robin's nest so we can, you know, the ultimate goal, I guess, if I were to really think about it is, is to have Robin's nest nationwide, but one step at a time. We're doing work right. with our community first. <laughs> right on. Good talking to you, Wendy. Have yeah, a good day. Yeah, you too. Yeah, right. be safe. Bye. Bye. Once again, everybody, that was a great episode with Wendy Ingram. Thanks for tuning in to Ignite Euphoria. Uh, check out more podcasts on the Racing for Recovery YouTube page. And if you are ever battling any form of self-destruction or know a loved one that is, please call Racing for Recovery. 419-824-8462. Until next time, have a great day.